Talk Recorded live. Hello again, dear kinsfolk, and thank you for joining me this Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock sharp. It is February 10th. The year is 2016, and my, how time flies. Indeed, we're going to be taking a look this particular evening at Yahshua's parable of the Good Samaritan. But before we get to that, I do want to let the listener know that Dr. James P. Wickstrom and Pastor Bob Jones of Nevada will be on at 8 o'clock, which is an hour from now. So we can consider this basically a warm-up show or a precursor to that one. But nonetheless, the parable of Yahshua, his parable of the Good Samaritan, is without a doubt the most popular of all the parables that Yahshua spoke. And in this I mean that it has become a modern-day term that we use upon strangers that bestow kindness, random acts of kindness. They are referred to in this day and age as a good Samaritan. And it is most assuredly because of this parable. And this parable, I might add, is found only within the Gospel according to St. Luke. And so this, like the prodigal son and a few others, are found only in the Gospel of Luke. This one begins in chapter 10. Now this particular evening, I'm going to read through it very quickly, and then we're going to return back to the beginning of Yahshua's parable. And the reason for that is because I want to give you an overview, because most of us are familiar with this story indeed. But I believe that most of us overlook the meaning of this story, which is extremely easy to do. The reason for that is because we get lost within context. And so in order to fully understand this parable, we must begin in the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. We read, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Yahshua Messiah, said unto him, What is written in the law? Question. How readest thou? Another question. And he, answering, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now I'm going to stop right there, because this is something that we hear within the movement today, is it not? Men and women who seek a justification A justification from the very law that they themselves profess to follow. Because this concept of loving our neighbors was not a new way that was brought by Yahshua, but it was the law itself given by our Heavenly Father Yahweh, transcribed in Leviticus chapter 19. And if time allows, we'll go to look at that. But before we get to the parable, don't lose sight of the context. This is why Yahshua gives his parable of the Good Samaritan, or we could just say, the true neighbor. 
The reason he does so is provided right here in verse 29 of St. Luke chapter 10. He, that scripture lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And so it stands. Within the movement today, we will find people come in and they'll say, Well, neighbor means nokri. Neighbor means ethnos. Neighbor doesn't include the Samaritans, but neighbor does include the Judeans, etc. Ad nauseum. What I'm trying to say is understand that this, first and foremost, coming out the gate, is a parable. This did not happen. And while it is, a majority of men and women will try to give their own interpretations of Yahshua's own parable of the Good Samaritan. Understand, this has nothing really whatsoever to do with the Samaritan, but everything to do with this question. Who is my neighbor? So let me set the stage before we look at this. Here is a lawyer, according to the King James text. And when we read this in the Greek, nine times out of ten, it usually always refers to a doctor and or a scripture lawyer. So in reality, what we have here is a scribe. And this certain scribe stood up and he tempted Yahshua in the narrative. Right at the beginning, notice that this is a trap. He says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? A polite way of saying, what must I do to be saved? And this, undubitably, is the question of life, is it not? This is the question that a majority of pastors will be asked time and time again. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So point one, Yahshua says, what is written in the law? He does not say, hey, I came to do away with the law. Point one. What does the law say? And he answering said in verse 27, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Stopping right there, that's easy to do, is it not? But the second part of that, the summation of the law into two is what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. And that is the context of what we're going to be discussing tonight. Because the parable of the Good Samaritan doesn't have so much to do with the Samaritans as it does in answering the question, Who is my neighbor? Well, who of these was most neighborly? So bear that in mind. Here is the parable of the Good Samaritan, beginning in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves question something right there that's Joshua which of these three classes of men was this man's neighbor this man who required assistance correct well verse 37 and he said he that showed mercy on him then said Jesus unto him go and do likewise now dear kinsfolk that is the entirety of the parable of the Good Samaritan and we're gonna break this down piece by piece number one he says a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and indeed it would be a downward slope for an upwards of 17 miles from the city of Jerusalem to Jericho dropping over 7,000 feet in atmosphere more or less from sea level so it truly is a downward slope and historically this downward uh, slope this path between Jericho and Jerusalem to this day is known as the path of Aduman or the path that is most bloody why because this particular downward trek is an area between the two cities that that bands and robbers frequent to this day and historically so bear that in mind a certain man a proverbial man not a real man Yahshua is using this as a parable correct in reference to the lawyer who says who is my neighbor meaning that the lawyer was looking for an escape clause a justification the first part of that was easy for him after all he would it be a scribe or a scripture lawyer so he could come along and say I love Yahweh with all my heart all my mind and all my soul but did he love his neighbor as himself that would be the question correct so there was a certain man and it doesn't matter it doesn't even say it's an Israelite but based on assumption coming from Jerusalem to Jericho we can deduct that it most likely was so there was an Israelite who was going down and he fell among thieves and what did these thieves do they not only robbed him pay close attention to the narrative they stripped him of his raiment they took every single thing that this quote-unquote proverbial certain man possessed not only did they strip him of his raiment and all of his clothing they wounded him in the Greek this word wounded means to plummel to literally beat to a pulp and leave for dead so they strip this man down they take everything he have that he has and the narrative says they left him half dead correct and by chance there came down a certain priest that way let me let me break this down for you because if you're following the story here is what should be a glimmer of hope in the narrative because after all this is a certain man correct walking on his way going from one city to the next and a band of robbers come upon him they beat him they rob him strip him down to the bare necessities literally naked and laying on the side of the road bleeding now if you were in that state and you were laying in a state of need and along comes a priest you would most likely be filled with a shimmer of hope correct because after all this is a man of the cloth 
This is a man who has devoted his life to the priesthood. Naturally, he would not turn away somebody in hope, correct? Somebody who required him. But what happens? By chance, there came down that way a certain priest. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Point in case, not only did he pretend like he didn't see it, but in the Greek, he went the opposite way. Not just the other side, literally did a 180 and walked off as if he didn't see anything. So understand this, first class, a priest, a high priest, and he does nothing. But what happens? And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The same exact thing that the priest did, correct? But what's the difference between a priest and a Levite? Because after all, within the movement, you will hear people say, well, you have to be a Levite to be a priest, correct? But in the times of the Pharisees, the Pharisees would love espousing how their lineage was direct to Aaron himself, meaning they claimed to be the sons of Aaron, not only from the tribe of Levi. So the difference between a priest and a Levite is that Levites would be temple workers, whereas the priests would be the sons of Aaron, the high priests. The Levites would work for the priests, in short. And so, for that bloody certain man on the side of the road, here comes a Levite. Naturally, this man would understand the golden rule, correct? Because, after all, it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But what does the Levite do? Just like the priest before him, he passes by on the other side. Two classes of people. And two classes of people that most likely deluded themselves as they walked into following the first of the two greatest commandments. That is to love Yahweh God with all our heart, our mind, and every fiber of our being. But Yahshua is going to break it down into who is more neighborly. That is his retort to the question, who is my neighbor? It's a big difference. Because Yahshua is saying, we must love our neighbors as ourselves. The law says, we must love our neighbors as ourselves. But here, did the priest love this certain man? Not at all. Did the Levite love this certain man? Not at all. Both of them walked by on the opposite side. They turned right around and pretended as if they did not see. Because they did not love Next verse. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now does it make sense? The two before had no compassion at all. Why? Because after all, the Judeans had no dealings with Samaritans, correct? What is a Samaritan? We can break it down. I can give you a condensed version of what a Samaritan is. In its most simplistic terms... A Samaritan would be the residence of Samaria that stayed behind during the captivity of Babylon. When the Israelites were cast into dysphoria, and the Samaritans were left behind. Thus, they intermingled with the other races round about that region. 
And if you don't believe me, you can read about this in Ezra chapter 4, because it's here all the way back when they came back from captivity that the Judeans, which ultimately some of who would become the Pharisees, were rebuilding the high temple. The Samaritans came and said, hey, we want to come. We want to help you build the high temple. We also want to serve Yahweh God. And the Judeans said, absolutely not. Rebuked them and went to war with them. This is what a Samaritan is in its most simplistic terms. A Samaritan is a half-Israelite mamzer. But once again, Yahshua is not teaching universalism. He is answering the question, who is my neighbor? A polite way of saying, who is the most neighborly? Now, who right now, based on what we've read, would be the most neighborly? Well, obviously, it would be he who had compassion on him, whereas the other two did not. But the irony is, is that the law itself dictated this. Not only for the high priests, and not only for the Levites, but for the general man. Here's a Samaritan that didn't follow the law of Moses, but he had compassion, whereas the other two did not. And thus this carried into the life of Christ. So it was that the Pharisees had no dealings whatsoever with the Samaritans, because of ancient Israelite history that went back to the rebuilding of the temple in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah. Read about that in Ezra 4. But there was even one point, and you know this well because it's in John chapter 8, verse 48, where Yahshua tells the Jews, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are from your father, the devil. I am from Yahweh. They turn right around and say, say we well now that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil. Meaning to the Judean, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. There was no lower a class of person than a Samaritan. But in this narrative, the Samaritan had compassion. And what does he do? Verse 34. And he went to him and bound up his womb. Stopping right there. Now how did this Samaritan bound up this victim's wounds if the victim was robbed of all of his raiment? If they wounded him and left him with nothing? Well, the answer is obvious. He either took his own clothing off or took his spare clothing from his beast. But either way, he went and bound up his wounds with his own bandages and poured on him oil and wine. Stopping right there. Why would this Samaritan pour oil and wine on the wounds of somebody who was beaten as an antiseptic, both if wine did not contain alcohol, the purifying element. Again, I must stress this, because there are Sadducees who want to come in, and they'll tell you, well, just drink grape juice. But yet right here, if he were to pour grape juice in the wound, that would be adding insult to injury. No, he bound him up, poured oil, which would soften the skin, the equivalent to Neosporin or Vaseline today, and wine on his wounds the equivalent of an alcohol swab, and or just alcohol on a cotton swab. But he bound him with oil and wine and set him upon his own beast. Remember, the first, when he was robbed, they took his beast as well. He had nothing. And along comes a Samaritan and uses his own clothing to bound up this man's wound. 
uses his own oil and wine, most likely what he had for the journey, and poured it liberally upon this man. And not only that, took him and slumped him up over on his beast and rode this man to town, continuing the narrative, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. What's that mean? That means the first night the Samaritan stayed with the victim, the certain man. Notice the next verse goes on to say, on the morrow. So the first night, the Samaritan stayed with the man, meaning he was concerned. Correct? He had compassion upon him. By this time in the narrative, I wonder where the Levite was. I wonder where the high priest were. Because even the law itself would have said it was okay for both of those classes to render aid. Keep in mind, they weren't going from Jericho to Jerusalem. So had they stopped and rendered aid, the priest or the Levite, there would have been ample time for them to go through the ceremony of cleansing and be able to go back within the high temple. But that's a side note. He took care of them that first night. Then, verse 35, On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said, Take care of them. And what thou spendest more, when I come, I'll repay thee. Notice the Samaritan isn't above setting himself up for exploitation and extortion. If the innkeeper wanted to come in, he could have charged as much as he wanted to. So how much is two pence? Let's put it in two perspectives. At the times of Yahshua, one night within an inn would have been one thirty-second of a pence. Meaning that by all intents and purposes, this Samaritan gave him at least a month's lodging within this inn. And some commentaries even go as far as saying two months. But either way, it's almost an entire month that this man can wound. And the Samaritan, before he leaves to continue on his journey, says anything else that this man requires, and you taking care of him, Whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And then here comes the question. The question is, which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Now, Yahshua isn't coming out and condoning Samaritans. Quite the opposite. This is an allegory. This is a parable. This is a fictional event, something that did not happen. But it was in context and in reference to this question, who is my neighbor? Because, after all, we know that the entire law can be summed down into those two. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. But there will always be a man or a woman who wants to come in and say, well, neighbor doesn't really mean neighbor. But yet, Yeshua is talking about the act of being neighborly. And more specifically, pay close attention to me, loving our neighbor as our self. Do you see the difference? Now, what this Samaritan did, everything he did was something that you and I will do to self every single day. Now, we'll take care of our own needs, will we not? We'll pay our rent in advance, which is what the Samaritan did for this certain victim. We'll take care of our clothing, our own wounds, before they get worse, which is what the Samaritan did for the victim. 
We'll make sure that we have oil and wine, but very rarely will we make sure that those in need do. But not so with the Samaritan. The Samaritan expressed in this fictional parable, bear with me, he expressed the love of his neighbor like himself. That is the difference. Not necessarily the act of loving your neighbor or who your neighbor is, but truly loving your neighbor as yourself. And so you may hear men come in and say, well, I gave $5 to this homeless man one time. I gave this homeless family a bucket of chicken. But that's not loving your neighbor as yourself. What the Samaritan was doing was that. He went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. All the things that we do from day to day, from morning till sunset, for ourselves, the Samaritan did for this certain man in this allegory. Not so with the first two classes of people. So, very important to understand this. Now, which of these thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Which of these was the most neighborly? And so, that, if you will, is Yahshua's answer to the question. He, willing to justify himself, in verse 29, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Almost a snide retort. Also, notice at the end, when Yahshua says, Now which of these three do you think was more neighborly to him that fell victim to the thieves? In verse 37, he said, He that showed mercy on him. He wouldn't even call him a Samaritan. Wouldn't even speak the name out loud. It was so beneath him. (laughs) Now, notice the narrative doesn't say that he went and did it. Yahshua says, Go and do thou likewise. Meaning that Yahshua's intention on giving this entire parable was in reference to the to the scribe or the quote unquote scripture lawyer at the very beginning, who was attempting to tempt him and crap and uh, trap him, willing to justify himself, not willing to fulfill the rule. And so Yahshua's explanation is Go and do thou likewise. He doesn't. The narrative doesn't give any names. The narrative doesn't even reference particular races outside of this Samaritan. But the, the narrative, most assuredly, here in the Gospel according to Luke, does not say that he did go out and start loving his neighbor as himself. Start engaging in the acts that this proverbial Samaritan was doing. Yahshua was not coming in and saying the Samaritan has a place within the kingdom, and I'm going to prove that momentarily. He was not saying that Samaritans are better than Israel. What he was teaching on, however, is the hypocrisy of man. Once again, we see how the organized religion of Yahshua's time had deluded themselves into thinking they were righteous, they were pious. Yahshua doesn't come in and say, you know what, you screwed up on the first part. Notice, he doesn't tell the scribe that he didn't love God with all his heart, all his mind, all his soul. But he did most assuredly tell him he didn't love his neighbor as himself. Because he was looking to justify. Who is my neighbor? If you have to ask who your neighbor is, then you're not very neighborly to begin with. 
And that, perhaps, is a study for another day. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. And for those of you who are just now joining me, this is a little solo study on the Good Samaritan because I have been personally staying within the parables of Yahshua. I did want to let you know that tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Dr. James P. Wickstrom and Pastor Bob Jones of Nevada will be live on Talk Shoe, number 58022. That's 58022. If you type that number in on the Talk Shoe Radio Network, you'll be able to listen to them live for the next hour time slot. But nonetheless, in Leviticus, in chapter 19, we can read about the law. And the law is given here about many things, forcing religion, gleanings, oppression, bearing false witness, etc., right? And here in Leviticus, chapter 19, beginning in verse 17, this is the law of love. And by the way, this was actually handed down during the Exodus. If you turn to Exodus chapter 23, verse 4, in your own private studies, you can read where this was re, uh, actually commanded the first time before it was transcribed within Leviticus. Leviticus 19.17 Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Pay close attention. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy I am Yahweh. And so it is commanded. And while the majority of the world comes along and says, well, Yahshua said that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves," this wasn't a new way. This was commanded right here in this racial law of love. Notice, you shall not hate your brother in your own heart. That is your racial brother. He who shared the same exact womb with you. Why? Because Cain hated Abel, after all, and he was wicked. But that's a study for another day. Do not hate your racial brother. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, the Israelites. So we can deduct this point as well. The certain scribe who came to Yahshua at the beginning of Luke chapter 10 and round about verse 25 asked him, who is my neighbor, already knew, because that was his job. He was a scribe. Not only that, let me interject. The Pharisee, or we could say the high priest, taught this, but yet he walked on the other side. The Levite would have been familiar with this, at least, because after all, they are the tribe of Levi, and this is the book of Leviticus, correct? So the Levite should have known this. Leviticus 19, do not bear a grudge against the children of your people, Israel, because the law was given to the Israelites. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am Yahweh God, correct? Now turn with me to the gospel according to St. John. And once again, we're going to look at chapter 8, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. And I touched upon this very briefly at the very beginning. But in light of what we've covered tonight, Again, Yahshua was not saying that uh, mongrels can enter into the kingdom. In fact, he was teaching on hypocrisy. 
hypocrisy for a man who should have been familiar with the law, so much that he says, what does the law command you? And he quotes this verse verbatim. He says, yeah, you understand that, but you didn't fulfill it, at least this part of it. And that part of it is loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, when somebody's in a state of need, and you know that they're on their way from Jerusalem to Jericho, in the land of Judea, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, for the most part, to figure out that that's a fellow Israelite. Whether they're Judean or Israelite, they're all of the tribes. But the Levite had issue, correct? So did the certain priest. So here in John chapter 8, and I'm sure you've heard this before, because uh, for sure me and Wickstrom have covered this numerous times. This is where Yahshua is rebuking the Pharisees, who, in context, in John chapter 8, are referred to as Jews. Beginning in John chapter 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I, Yahshua speaking, tell you the truth, you believe me not. Stopping right there. That's why. He spoke the truth. He was the truth. John seventeen seventeen, the living word. Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Correct? They didn't recognize truth. But it didn't stop the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees from saying, hey, you know what? I observe the law, too. But yet Yeshua turns this parable into a personal rebuke. Yeah, you may love Yahweh, but you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. This Samaritan, this mongrel, if you will, was able to show that. But yet, here a high priest, here's a Levite, and neither of them are able to do it. So Yahshua here is rebuking the Jews for the same exact thing. Why? They wouldn't help a certain man if he was found on this road, the path of Ottoman, or the bloody path. He says, because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Verse 46 in John 8. Which of you convinces me of sin? Question. And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Stopping right there. You don't hear God's word. They could quote it, could they not? The scribe or the scripture lawyer at the very beginning of Luke chapter 10 said, when Yahshua said, what does the law say? He quotes verbatim. Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. But yet he didn't do that. Pay close attention. Yahshua says, he that is of God hears God's words. You don't hear them because you are not of God. What can we deduct? That the high priest and the Levite in this proverbial story, which did not happen but is an allegory, were not of God because they did not hear God's words. But the Samaritan was able to show the neighborly love that they should have. Pay close attention to how they retort. Verse 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered and said, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you do dishonor me. I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. So what does that tell you right there? 
Because Yeshua most assuredly didn't say go out. In fact, he taught quite the opposite. So if you have your finger, go ahead and turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 17. And I've covered this in 2014. But notice what Yahshua is saying. He's not straightforwardly changing anything. He's giving this allegory, and the allegory ends. Correct? And there's a reason for this as well. We're going to get to that. In Luke chapter 17, and actually I didn't write this down, but I do remember preaching it. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, this is actually a really cool story. And bear with me if I if you've actually heard this before. But uh, yeah, okay. In uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, and it came to pass that as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. This is Yahshua on his ministry. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? They are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger, Ethnos, once again. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Do you understand the analogy? He didn't say you're saved, but his faith made him whole. That's why he was clean. The Samaritan, the Mongol, the stranger. The other nine didn't come back. How far is that removed from what the priest and the Levite did in the parable of the Good Samaritan? Not much. They were ungrateful. But here, Yahshua actually cleanses ten lepers of their leprosy. The other nine probably said, Woo-hoo! Time to get back to the high temple. Time to go visit my wife and my family. And only one was thankful enough. Samaritan. Side note. But understand what I'm saying. Yahshua always would break through the traditions and the hypocrisy of men. This isn't about salvation. This is about faith. And actually, the parable of the Good Samaritan centers more on the topic of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Again, the Samaritan did every single one of those things. But why is all this? Why did all of this happen? Again, you, touch, you heard me touch upon that very briefly at the very beginning. But there was a point. And indeed, there were mongrels, what the law called for. But the law as well called for us to be kind-hearted towards certain strangers of the Adamic stock, correct? Initially, in the very beginning, before all of this became worse in Ezra and Nehemiah, it was most likely the uh, fault of the uh, Judeans which ultimately became the Pharisees, for resisting them. They came once again, wanting to help when most of the Israelites would not. And they said, you know what? You can't serve our God. Get out of here. And what ended up happening was this, an eternal conflict between Samaritans and Jews, quote-unquote, or Judeans. And thus it stands. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, at the very end, again, the scribe couldn't even say, 
when he was asked who of these was more neighborly, he couldn't say the Samaritan. So beneath him to actually speak it. So we can deduct logically that he most likely did not make it within the kingdom. But of course, judgment is left to Yahweh God. And why can we say him or he or they? Again, what I wanted to point out was there are thousands of commentaries on all of this, this entire narrative right here. People, like I said, coming in and saying, well, he uh, could have done it because the law gave a provision here, or the Pharisee could have acted better, the Levite could have done this. The reality of it is, is it's all hot air. It's all garbage. Again, the only thing we need to understand is the context of the Good Samaritan. And that is what gets lost when we see cartoons, when we hear Judeo-Christians preach on the Good Samaritan. They never go to the beginning, to the very beginning of the story, which is why Yahshua gave it. They focus more so on this act of the Good Samaritan and allude to the fact somehow or another that Yahshua opened up the covenant to the Samaritans, which he most assuredly did not. In fact, well... I'm going to stay right here. I'll take you there in just a second if we have time. I really want to drive home this point. that uh, Basically, the uh, Pharisees brought it on themselves in a lot of ways. Not only did they make an enemy to the, uh, to the Samaritans at the time, but they also probably were part of the reason that they miscegenated throughout the land. Because after all, Pharisee means separatist. This would be one of those classes of Adamic strangers that ultimately did mongolize themselves within the land during the uh, Babylonian captivity. That's a study for another day. This would be the time, dear friends, at the uh, sermon, at the 40-minute mark. If anybody does have any questions, feel free to uh, post them in the uh, chat room, and I will go ahead and answer them. We've been toying with the idea of basically, possibly, bringing back Covenant People's Radio twice a month to where we'll be able to take phone callers again. And this would uh, allow for open lines of communication. A lot of these guys who may want to come in and debate their flat earth theories or Satan is your flesh theory or anything that's contrary to Christian identity and the Word of God. Turn with me very quickly to the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 10. Again, understand, the parable of the Good Samaritan appears only in the Gospel of Luke, and this is not rare. Luke has about 20 parables that are nowhere else, and so it stands. Many of the other parables appear in three of the four Gospels, or two of the four Gospels. And thus, when we teach something like this, that appears only one time, we have to hop around to the other Gospels to actually back up our statements. And thus it stands. At the very beginning of St. Matthew, chapter 10. These are the names of the apostles. Now the names of the twelve are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew's brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Sagius, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Pay close attention. Matthew, chapter 10. Verse 5, this is what Yahshua is commanding his disciples to do. These 12 that were just mentioned, verse 5 says, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, 
Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I'm sure you've heard that before, but I bring that up in context because if the parable of the Good Samaritan was not so much as answering the question, who is my neighbor, as it was the offense of the fictional story. This one statement right here of Yahshua saying, do not go to the Samaritans, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, would seem to contradict, correct? But even in his healing of the ten lepers, Yahshua did not say, this day you have salvation, but rather he taught as he usually did. Your faith has made you whole. Understand that concept. Do you understand the power of faith? Faith is extremely powerful. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. But with faith, we are able to heal ourselves. With faith, we can move mountains, correct? With faith, we could do all of these things. Thus it stands. It comes down to faith. Do you have faith within Yahshua's word? Or do you have faith within the traditions of men? Yeshua says in verse 6 of St. Matthew 10, Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pay close attention, verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Seems pretty straightforward, does it not? Now, let's contrast that with the actions of the Levite and the certain priest when it came to the quote-unquote certain man who fell victim in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Did they heal the sick? No, rather, they walked on the other side, a complete 180 in the Greek. They walked the other way. Did they say the kingdom of heaven was at hand or even believe that? Because if they believed Joshua was watching... They surely wouldn't have turned right around and walked off, correct? Did they heal the sick? No. Did they cleanse the lepers? Did they raise the dead? Well, he was left for dead, but they didn't even go and look. That's the difference. They walked the other way. The Samaritan came, looked, and had compassion on him. Do you understand the analogy? This is Yahshua, not the mongrel, the compassionate. And thus it stands, what is mercy? Mercy is something we give ourselves. Mercy is what Yahweh gave in the Old Testament, and it's considered graced in the New Testament. But the Pharisee and the Levite didn't believe in mercy, did they? The Samaritan most likely did. He went and said, here, I'm going to give you this, the equivalent of 64 days within this end. And if I come back this way, and he's charged it up even more so, I'll pay his Fine. Do you understand the analogy? Christ paid the price for your sins. Thus, the analogy is that not Yahshua is not the Samaritan, but Yahshua's spirit is like the actions of the Samaritan. Big difference. That is why the law in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says, Love your neighbor as yourself, because you cannot hate nor avenge a grudge against who? Your brother, not the Samaritan. That's the point that the scripture lawyer or the scribe did not understand at the beginning of Luke chapter 10 when we began this parable. That is why he 
quote-unquote willing to justify asked that and said, well, and who's my neighbor? The neighbor is outlined within Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's even provisions for Adamic strangers to be kind-hearted towards strangers. For example, if you were with me for this Sunday morning sermon, where we covered the parable of the great banquet and many other things, but this is one of those parables where Yahshua came in, in the parable of the goats, and he says, Inasmuch as you have not clothed the naked and fed the hungry, you have done it unto me. I'm sure you know the analogy. I can break it down very simply. The right-hand sheep that were accepted in Yahshua's mind, or at least within the kingdom. This is a kingdom age. They're before the gate. Yahshua says to those sheep on his right, enter in my faithful servant. Why they're sheep? And the sheep are the Israelites. Says to those goats on his left, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because none of the things, either of those classes, pay close attention to me, none of the things, the sheep and the goats, did for God per se gain them entrance into the kingdom. And this is why Yahshua would say, and they would ask, the first class, the goats, when they're cast into hell, for lack of a better term, eternal fire and eternal torment, say, when was it that we counted you as a stranger? When was it that you were hungry and we did not feed you? When was it that you were thirsty and we gave you not drink? And Yahshua says, inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of these, you did it unto me. And thus it stands for the sheep. The sheep say, when was it? When did we do all these great things? I don't remember. And Yahshua said, inasmuch as you did do it for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Do you understand the analogy? Your works won't, enter, won't gain you entrance into the kingdom at all. How you treat others will and that is the difference. When it comes down to it, both classes were judged on how they treated strangers and their neighbor. And when they mistreated their neighbor, they were mistreating Yahshua. And when they did good to their neighbor, they were doing good unto Yahshua unknowingly. All the while they followed the law, all the while they tooted their own horn, said, I'm a Levite, I'm a priest, etc. <laughs> so bear that in mind. Again, Yahweh was called, in flesh form, he was called a Samaritan by the Jews. The law itself does not differentiate between this particular stranger or this particular neighbor. If you look deeper into the Hebrew words and the Greek words, they all mean Israelite. They all mean Gen. They all mean of the Gen. The purpose of Yahshua's teaching of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 was not to illustrate anything pertaining to the Samaritan. But rather, because the Samaritan doesn't exist, but rather to use the Samaritan of an example, the lowest class of species. Do you understand that? Publicans, tax collectors, and prostitutes in the eyes of the Pharisees were very, very low. Those were the lowest occupations to be held within Israel, other than being a Samaritan. 
Samaritan was worse than both of those. So you understand why Yahshua would use this. Why he would come in and say, oh, yeah, it's great. You're an Israelite. Yeah, you love God. But you failed on this point where this proverbial beast can do better than you. This is why at the end he says, go and do thou likewise. Eerily similar to the very beginning of John chapter 8, and the woman taken in adultery, where no man accused her, correct? And he says, go and sin no more. He didn't say go and sin. He didn't say it's okay for you to live this way. He said, go and sin no more. Just like he told this certain lawyer. He says, go and do thou likewise. And chances are pretty good that he didn't. And hear me, chances are really good that you and I do not as well. So keep that in perspective and keep a meek heart when it comes down to it. Because it's easy to love God. God's done so much for us. And I'm speaking from experience. It's easy to love him. We know him. It's not quite so easy to love our neighbor. And it's even harder to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is why Yahshua used this as an allegory. The Levite, when he came to the place, he looked on him and he passed by. The priest, when he saw him, he passed on the other side. But the Samaritan, when he journeyed, he had compassion. And that, my friend, is what the other two did not have. Thus it stands. Compassion will move you to love your neighbor as yourself without looking for an escape clause, saying, who is my neighbor, or attempting to trick somebody. Notice the question is, and why Yahshua gave this parable. He tempted him, saying, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Yahshua says in verse 26 of, of uh, St. Luke chapter 10, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? How readest thou, Yahshua says? And he answers correctly. Love the Lord thy God. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Yahshua said, you've answered right. This do, and you shall live. A straightforward, emphatic, meaning this do, you shall live. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. All the way back, just like Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Every time we are told to love our neighbor as ourselves, we are also given a conditional promise that if we do so, if we do not curse our brother in heart, we will live. Yahshua said, you can enter into the kingdom based on what you just quoted from the Mosaic law. No worries. But he wasn't able to do it. And so, dear kinsfolk, with that, I beg you, do not make the same mistake. It is very, very hard to love our neighbor as ourself. But that, if you will, is what is required to inherit eternal Life, not seeking justifications as to who's my neighbor or who isn't. If he's Israelite, he's your neighbor. Don't be like the Pharisee who say, oh, they have brown hair. I'm not going to go around him. He's got auburn eyes. The Pharisees are not going to be within the kingdom. Yahshua teaches these so that you would understand. And he teaches these with familiar allegories, the path of Udaman. The journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's something every high priest would know. He was rebuking them for our sake. So, be neighborly, be kind-hearted, and help each and every one of uh, your neighbors if you are able to. 
I also want to thank very quickly all of my friends who have supported this ministry during this crucial time right now. Actually, my friends from Odessa, Texas, my friends from Kettering, Ohio, and uh, all over the place. If I've forgotten anybody, I definitely apologize. Uh, Utah and Minnesota, a few others, but I appreciate your help. Uh, I will be back with Dr. Wickstrom, I believe, next week. We're going to be doing a show. Actually, I think I'm going to be preaching solo, so I'll invite you now about a week in advance to tune in for that. I do pray that this particular study on the Good Samaritan has edified you and maybe taught you one or two things that maybe you didn't notice before. With five minutes to go until 8 o'clock, I do want to suggest to the listener to swing by Dr. Wickstrom's Yahweh's Truth channel, accessible on the TalkShoe Radio Network, number 58022. If you go to thetalkshoe.com and type that in a search box, his chat room is open now, and so we'll likely be listening as well here in Brooks. Thank you, each and every one of you, and a big shout-out to our mod, Crossman. He is doing an awesome job keeping the forums up, clean. Kudos to you, dear brother. We definitely appreciate your help. Um, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South, Brooks, Georgia, wishing you and your entire family great studies, war for Christ. Amen.